we're going to talk about living in Babylon, and uh, we're going to be looking at a letter. Anyone had a handwritten letter delivered to their door recently? Anyone? A couple, a few? It's a, it's, a, it's a bit of a dying art, isn't it? A bit of a dying form of, of communication, and... Uh, with Valentine's and all that messaging everywhere, I was thinking back to the letters that I used to get from Catherine, my wife, my now wife, when we were dating. And uh, we were living in different towns at that time, and we missed each other. And those letters were gold. And every so often, <laughs> soppy bloke at the front, every so often, not, not regularly, or I'm not doing this every Friday night, I would go and have a look at those letters. <laughs> oh, man. Because it, they're great now, but they were fantastic then. Because in our absence, they gave me a sense of hope, a sense of feeling valued and loved, and a sense that this might have a future and a destiny. And it did. Thank you, Jesus. The people of Jeremiah's day, they needed a letter. They needed a letter because the Jews, Israel, had been taken into exile. They had given up on their allegiance to the God of the Bible to Yahweh. As a result, there was rampant social injustice in Jerusalem, in that nation. The widows and the orphans and the immigrants were being taken advantage of. Yes, in the temple, all looked good. But outside of the temple, they were worshipping and bowing down to other gods. And God, as a result, in his mercy and also in his righteousness, after many times of wanting them to come back to him, brought judgment upon them. And they were invaded by Babylon, almost complete desolation and destruction at that time. Why did God bring judgment? They had lost their distinctiveness. They were no different to the nations around them. And the whole idea was that that was a special nation, a chosen nation that was going to represent God and bring other nations to him. God's people were taken into exile for 70 years. And we read in Jerusalem no, we don't. We read in Jeremiah, chapter 29, that they need a letter. And as they were living in this place in exile, a foreign place, aliens and foreigners in that land, they had some options as far as I could see. They could have withdrawn from all kind of society, hidden, and who could blame them? They would have seen death, many of their relatives dead. The temple destroyed. Isolation 
in that place. The leadership was gone. The priesthood, gone. They had walked 700 miles to get to Babylon. They suspected great oppression as they would get there for this fearful enemy that had conquered them. They had to learn a different language, Aramaic instead of Hebrew. I would have withdrawn, wouldn't you? I'd have wallowed in self-pity, thinking the times were better then and we're never gonna see our homeland again. Or there was another option, they could attack. All the hurt, the resentment, the pain, they could have used it to, to forcefully try and attack. They were few, yes, but they were so hurting, they could have caused some damage. Retaliate by force, just as their aggressors, aggressors had done. Or was there another way? It obviously wasn't easy for them because they needed a letter. It's not easy for us and we need a nudge today from God how to live in Babylon. Let's read what Jeremiah said. Chapter 29, I'm gonna start from verse one just for a little bit of context. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar, he's the king of Babylon, had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. I'm gonna leave a little bit chunk there and I'm gonna go to verse three. He entrusted the letter to Elasa, son of Shaphan, and to Gamariah, son of Hilkiah. I've been practicing that. <laughs> Whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. It said, here's the contents of the letter. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. What did you hear? Did you hear withdraw? I don't think so. Did you hear attack? No. You should have heard positively integrate without losing your distinctiveness. It was the call for them it's still the call for us now. Daniel, last week we heard, he was a great example of this. He was in this same place and yet he did not compromise. He remained distinct, both over the food and the laws that when they got too far against God's laws, he refused to obey them. Go back and listen last week. It was a great message. Daniel was a great example. Jesus is our ultimate example, left the presence of heaven, as it were, to come to earth. He taught us what it was to live literally in Babylon, as it were. 
and yet live distinctly with such purpose, ushering in this new kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And I find it interesting that around him, he had the Pharisees, they withdrew. They protected themselves, they purified themselves. They didn't get amongst the poor because they kind of had this ethos that if they touched the poor or touched something that was unclean, then they would become unclean. So yes, they were religious, but they weren't integrated and they weren't involved in society to share what they had. And Jesus came at a time where the Romans attacked. They were all about force and (laughs) aggression ruling by assertion to get their way. So what do we learn for our time in Babylon? Friends, we are in Babylon. Make make no mistake about it. There was Babylon then, and because of its brutality and its force and its darkness, if you like, it became a word for Babylon generally throughout the ages. And we now live in a similar Babylon. How do we live here? I've got three points. First one, to leave the comfortable. God has called us out. (laughs) In John 17, we read a whole passage where Jesus says, as he's praying for his disciples, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. You see, God doesn't promise instant relief for us when we become a Christian in this world. But he does promise to protect us in it and to sanctify us through us living within it. What do we need to leave? We need to leave sin behind. We need to leave and be uncomfortable with compromise. Some of us have lost our distinctiveness. The church in this nation, in some ways, doesn't look that much different to the world. It can happen on a personal basis and it can be a corporate thing. The world can infiltrate the church. And yet God is calling us, as we heard a few weeks ago, to be a holy nation, set apart for him. Yes, in this world, but not of it. 1 Peter 1.15 says this, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. We have been called out from the world. You, I, we're new creations in Christ. We identify now as saints who occasionally mess up and get it wrong. We don't identify As sinners, our identity has been changed. We live in against the flow. (laughs) If you hadn't caught on to that as yet, the tide is heavy against us and the church. But the church is called 
to stand against the flow. This can work out in any number of ways, in our language, in our speech, in this Babylon, in our relationships, in our thought life. Lots of small ways every day we make choices of how we're going to live. I remember one big way where this happened in my life when I was out with some friends. Most, none of them knew Jesus apart from me. And uh, we'd had a few drinks because I'm in the world and I wanted to have a drink and that's okay. Um, but they were drinking a lot more and I made a choice. I'm not gonna drink that much. I enjoyed the time, we had a lot of fun and then we were standing outside what was a gentleman's club, which is a posh name <laughs> for a strip joint. And they decided that they would go in and they were, Ross, come on, what harm can it do? Surely, and they knew I was a Christian, they'd be like, Jesus would go in there, wouldn't he? He was amongst the broken people. They're very good. They've got some lines. I was like, I'm not sure if he would. I know what you're saying. But I know this isn't helpful for me. And if I come in with you, I am no different from you. And I said, my time is out. I'm going home. <laughs> and I went home. It's an extreme situation, but it happens every day in the small, as we live in this place. The second thing we need to leave is the church. Don't hear what I'm saying, all right? If there's no one here next week, I'm in trouble. We can get comfortable with just being in our Christian huddle and bubble. We really can, because it's beautiful. I've loved this morning, I'm in tears here at the front, just worshiping God. But church, if we're gonna reach the city, we must leave the building. We must have other friends, not just our Christian friends. Alan Scott, in his book, Scattered Servants, he says this, the dream of God over your life isn't just, and that's a very important word, isn't just that you become a believer and help out the local church, but that you come alive in his presence and bring life to every environment, spilling contagious hope into hurting humanity. That's a beautiful quote. You see, the kingdom comes as the church goes. We will not change the city with better programs or more of them. It's people, <laughs> you and I, as we go about every day across the bay that will transform and bring transformation just as we have bring transformed. Now, there is a place for the gathered church. I love the gathered church. 
And I'm going to just go back there just to make sure that you've heard it. Coming back in here is the place where we can bring those so that they can be hearing the gospel. They can be hearing the good news. They can be empowered. They can, this is the fuel. Today, what we're doing here right now is the fuel for our mission. It's the power for our Monday to Saturday. And then we come back in again and we hear stories of what God's been doing out there because we're a kingdom people who live in Babylon. We're a kingdom of priests. We're that royal priesthood sent to live for him. It's so important that we are with other people because that can be our encouragement. Other Christians, I mean. It can be our encouragement to be able to do what we do out there. Our small groups, our life groups are exactly this. They are places to help us be out there, but that we can pray for one another and be fortified and encouraged together when it gets tough out there. Because it does, and it is. And though we need that, and if you're not in one, and if you're missing church on a regular basis, you're not getting fueled up. You're not encountering Jesus again for what he has for your life. Number two, we have to leave the comfortable, love the city. Do you love Bournemouth, Paul, Christchurch? Not just for its beach, not just for the new forest, not just for the Purbex. Why? God has many people in this city. Jesus replied, in Matthew 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. God first loved you. Hallelujah. We are loved by the God of the universe and he gives us every spiritual blessing that we ever go into need. We saved, we filled, we sanctified. He's sanctifying us. Now why? That we would love him back. And we do. But the second commandment is like the first, that we would love others. He loves us so we can share that love abroad. <laughs> the people in exile were called to pray for the prosperity and the peace of the place that they were in. How difficult was that for them, considering what they'd been through? Have you thought about that? It's really hard to pray for people if you don't like them. Isn't it? It's really hard to pray for the prosperity of a city if it feels like it's robbed you of everything you ever had. God's word to them is to settle down, settle in, get comfortable with your new surroundings, build houses, be productive, pray for the peace and the prosperity of this space because if you pray for that, then it will bring you peace and will prosper you too. It's a great promise. <laughs> 1 Timothy 2 Two says, pray for those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives. There it is again, in all godliness and holiness. There's that 
again. Prayer leads to care. If you pray for people and places, you'll begin to get a heart for them. You'll begin to be able to express that love that God has put in you to others. We've prayed this morning, haven't we, uh, for people who have struggling. There's difficulty and damage and brokenness. And do you know what? That is the place that we meet people out there. They are hurting and broken and damaged. I believe that everyone has a hidden hurt. It's just for us to uncover it as we pray and as we care for them in their moment of crisis. Many of you will know that I play football of a weekend and I've used many illustrations in this bracket before. Uh, this Friday, one of our, my mates just, <laughs> just completely crumpled um, onto the floor. Like no one was around him. The ball was near him, but he didn't even touch the ball. No one else touched him. He just fell to the ground like in this really awkward kind of thing. And everyone just absolutely ribbed him. Like they just took the Michael big time out of him. He didn't get any sympathy at all and his ankle was beginning to swell. And um, to be honest, I was probably near to uh, laughing as well, right? But when I got home, I just messaged him. Lol, how's your ankle? You weren't getting much sympathy. And he said to me, just message back, thanks Russ, really appreciate you asking. That's it. But I don't reckon anyone else messaged him. It's just a small thing, tiny thing, but it shows I care. It shows that I'm for him and I want to see him well again, playing again. Now, that's great. And I was also provoked as I was preparing this message. Why didn't you drive around to his house and pray for his ankle, for healing? Oh, Lord, give me courage. Give me, no, genuinely, genuinely. That's my next stage. I want to do that more. I've done it before. I want to do it again. But it only comes as we begin to love the city. Third thing I want to say is we've, we must live out the calling that we have. You are the light of the world, Matthew 5 tells us. A town built on a hill. It cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The church needs to be brought into its God-given identity, kingdom identity. You know, God trusts us with his kingdom advance. Have you ever thought about that? Yes, God loves you, but he trusts you because he wants you to be involved in advancing his kingdom. That's his preferred method to see the cities in this nation reached and across the world. We have, given, we have been given extraordinary trust. 
but we've also been given kingdom authority. And I believe that this morning, God wants to help us understand that again afresh our kingdom assignment. Jesus said that he will build his church, but that we have the keys of the kingdom. There's an authority within the wider community. The church is not all of the kingdom. The kingdom is wider than the church. God's rule and reign everywhere. We have the keys of his kingdom. We have authority to bring this life to every corner of culture. I want you to have fresh expectation and faith of how God could use you in your corner. When Jesus sends out a 12, he says, I have all authority and I'm giving it to you. What to do to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to proclaim the kingdom. So often, we talk down our authority. We are powerless in ourselves but God gives us authority to live in and live out and to work through. We limit God and we limit his power. That's why I went for a text message with my friend and actually went round his house for the possibility that God might do a sign and a wonder. Lord, may you do more signs and wonders amongst us and may you help us to be a part of those. I'm running out of time and so I just want to talk very briefly about your God kingdom assignment. You see, we all have an assignment. This was Jeremiah's that we read about to be a voice to the nation of Israel to bring hope and judgment at times, and help. Daniel had his assignment. Even Balaam's donkey, if you know of that story in Numbers 22, had an assignment. If God can use a talking donkey, he can use you and I. And in these days, I believe, in these city gate days, he is clarifying what is your kingdom assignment. Sometimes it's seasons where you work in a ministry. Sometimes it's days, particular days where you're doing things. Sometimes it's a moment, just a word or a smile. It works around places and it works around people. Do you know your assignment? Well, let me go on the brokenness and hurting theme. One of the things that we can do is that in our brokenness and pain, we can offer that to a world who are also in brokenness and pain. A perfect, neat, sanitized life is not what the people out there need. (laughs) They need to see Christians like you and I walking through life with all its complexities, with its debt, with its stress, with its relational challenges. 
But you see, we walk through it with a deep-rooted faith that God is with us, that he hears us, that he knows us, and that we can trust him and he will bring us into a new place with it. We can simply share that with them. I believe authority grows in us as we give it away to others. As we put into practice those little assignments, some of them small, some of them massive, some of them for a moment, some of them for a lifetime. God, would you reveal (laughs) the kingdom assignments that we are to embark on with authority to see your kingdom come? Why don't we stand together? I wonder perhaps if Priscilla could come up. You know, God wants to take many of you and me on an adventure into seeing his kingdom come. Are you up for that? Do you need more authority? (laughs) I do. Do you need God to reveal your kingdom assignment to you? There can be a different assignment every day. If only we'd be listening to the Father who wants to speak to his children and to use you as you leave the comfortable, as we get out there. (laughs) Some of you in workplaces for the best part of your life actually, nine till five, that's where you are. That might be your kingdom assignment. How will you work that out? So that God's kingdom will advance. I tell you, there are so many stories waiting to be told (laughs) as we partner with God in this incredible way. As we live in Babylon, but we called out with power and authority to reach this city. for his glory. Lord, would your kingdom come? Just hold out your hands to him. You know what he's been speaking to you about. Maybe right now you're just deciding not to compromise. You know that you've done that time and time again. For some of the young people here, you you can decide whether you're a young person or not. so hard to stand out
But God sees you and he loves what you're doing. He will reward you. And the reality is that those people that you think you're, you know, whatever they think of you, they actually respect you for having some sort of sense of why you do what you do. And so, yeah, I just want to pray for us, Lord, all of us, help us. Drop kingdom assignments, Lord, into our heads. Lord, help us to be open to you, God, every day that we would be that people who carry your presence everywhere. Schools and colleges and using our gifts. Not pretending we've got it all together. But telling others that we found a God who loves us and changes us and has given us a purpose and a destiny in Him. Lord, would you write (laughs) upon us as a church many stories as we rise in faith and we come in here each week to get refueled for what you call us into in every day across this bay. Lord, we long in, we long in we hungry. We want to pray your kingdom come. We want to see you move right across this bay. Give us strength and courage every day, I pray, Lord. To see your kingdom come. Jesus' name we pray. Amen.